Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Today is November 29th, um, and we're recording uh, episode number 448. Um, we've actually got Sarah Novotny's come back to talk to us. We're going to be talking about um, open source sort of in a bigger sense in Azure this time. Last time she was on to talk about Sane. Um, but before we get to Sarah, um, I want to go through some news. I don't have my co-hosts here today, so I'm on my own. Hopefully, like, apparently they trust me. Um, but uh, going through some news, a couple of key things um, I did want to call out. Uh, first, and and yes, we, we've actually been on this journey for a number of years now. We are getting serious about deprecating uh, TLS uh, 1.1 um, and moving up to TLS 1.2 as a minimum. Um, you're starting to see more and more services that are turning off. Um, support for the lower TLS versions, and obviously the SSL ones before that. Um, there's actually, it, we'll, we'll include the link in the show notes, but there's some really good articles to talk about how you can test your app, test your environment. Um, and we you know, have started doing this in our services. So if you don't have this on your work plan, make sure it's there. Um, it's gonna, it, it'll sneak up on you. Um, sort of along the same lines, this actually came out of some of the documentation for this. I'd never seen this. I thought this was really neat. Um, Qualsys, um, has a group called SSL Labs, and they do this SSL Pulse thing. Um, this isn't Azure specific, but I just thought it was relevant to the TLS stuff. They do a survey of the broader web and and report, you know, sort of what adoption is, you know, for different versions. You know, are people using you know TLS 1.3? Are they still using SSL 1.0? Um, the numbers were kind of fascinating. I was sort of surprised at how many sites are using older versions of things. Um, the other nice thing is they do provide some tooling that allows you to check your site as well. So again, that's not, you know, it's not like a paid for plug or anything. This was this was in our, our migration content. I just thought this was a really neat resource and some interesting data. A um, couple other pieces of news. Uh, one, um, and we had the Azure, ba Azure Bastion team on a few months back. Um, Azure Bastion is sort of the, the jump box service that exists in Azure now, and it used to be to be able to access um, the resources behind a Bastion um, resource, you had to actually you know, have access to the portal and, and somebody had to give you permission to get in there. Now, administrators can just generate a link and then you can use the link to get to the resource behind Azure Bastion. Um, super, super handy now is I don't have to give you permission or anything, I just give you this link. Um, I assume it has a, a, you know, a token built into the link and use the link, you can get through without going through the portal. So, so nice and handy. Um, and then the last piece I wanted to call out, um, and again, this is one, we see a lot of support cases for this, but customers want to come in and change the service limits for, you know, above some of the defaults that we issue. There's now a, a REST API that you can use to manage those service limits. We've had one for compute quota for a while. This is expanding it to cover all the various, you know, storage and networking, you know, public IP, count and you know vnet size count all those kind of things definitely recommend you check that out um you know not that support is not fun to talk to but all of us i think would much rather um, automate what we can uh, instead of, instead of having to loop through humans to do some of this stuff um i do see sajit uh joined as we were doing the news sajit um before we move hey. over to sarah <laughs> any 
any news you want to hit today? Uh, no, on that last one, though, I was wondering from you, uh, how many, uh, what is the percentage of calls that you get are of just about this, about, you know, increasing so my quotas and whatnot? There's a there's an entire team that a big chunk of their volume is this stuff. I don't I actually don't know the number. I probably used to years ago. <laughs> but I mean, there's hundreds of cases a week that come in for this kind of information. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's definitely going to save time on our customers, um, you know, to not have to go through that. And and again, we're not going to miss the volume either. We can spend it on more interesting stuff, um, you know, with our customers. But, um, you know, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely going to reduce volume for sure. Um, it, it helps us help them. Right. Um, OK, yeah. great. Um, so so with that, let's um, uh, transition over to Sarah. Sarah, you've been on the show before, but if you could sort of refresh our audience on who you are and what you're what you do here at Microsoft. Sure. I'm Sarah Novotny, and I lead open source strategy for Azure and Microsoft Dollop. Now, what that often means is helping take and contextualize work that's happening in the industry and show how it uh, is or could affect and impact business inside Microsoft, and then helping Microsoft understand and uh, develop strategies around what work in the industry can do to add business value for, for us. So separate from the OSPO, which is very focused from Microsoft and Microsoft compliance and inside tooling and, and engagement with, um, with how we develop software, what I'm often looking at and my team is often looking at is what is happening in the industry, whether that's economically or through political uh, policy work or community efforts um, inside open source that might be useful or a business value for Microsoft, and then how we can be engaged in all of that. So, so we have a very different so, perspective than an OSPO. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, so, so we, you know, we, you know, we've been doing this show for a long time, and when we first started, we used to joke um, that originally this, this, uh, this was called the, or I'm sorry, we called it the Azure podcast, but way back then it used to be called Windows Azure. Um, it, it's now Microsoft mm -hmm. Azure and, and open source is something that's yeah. it's a part of our daily lives. Right. That certainly wasn't the case at Microsoft, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It is now. Do, do yeah. you um, you know, when when you talk about the conversations you have now, um, mm -hmm. do you does it really feel on equal footing to, to everything else? Or do you feel like you're still, you know, sort of trying to educate us as an organization and, and culturally as well or like? Which, what? Because you came in from outside, I think, with some open source experience. I did. What, yep. What's it like being on the inside now? Like, <laughs> so I'll use a William Gibson quote. His quote is, "The future is here. It's just not evenly distributed." And okay. what I'll do is say the same thing about open source at Microsoft. Open source is here, and it's just not evenly distributed. So it's very dependent on what team we're talking to, okay. whether or not they get the ethos, the AK. AS team has uh, yes, several yes. developers and, 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 you know, a PM team that work exclusively upstream. They mm. work only on open source projects that are uh, a part of the ecosystem of the cloud native ecosystem and are um, doing work that it adds value and brings credibility to our AKS offering. So that team gets it. The future's here. Open source is here. And then there are other teams that still are, you know, developing or maintaining something that has been part of Microsoft for years, and they may use open source. So very few teams um, don't make use, at least of some open source dependencies, mm -hmm. but they may use open source, but they're not necessarily um, they're not necessarily participating or seeing the value of working in the open 
nor working in an industry collaboration where we might develop partners on something that could be very nicely a commoditized building block, but doesn't need to be the space where we're innovating and we're adding new value. And so we could do that in the public, you know, so we're not all building a, a, um, a new wheel, but we can from there um, go ahead and innovate on top of that. Do you, so the other interesting thing I thought, uh, you know, beyond just the fact that there's somebody that, you know, at, at sort of your level and your perspective that cares about open source within mm-hmm. Microsoft, um, but, you know, you you sit within the Azure engineering organization, but, uh, you know, you mm-hmm. mentioned that um, you're actually have some accountability and some some ownership for the broader Microsoft as well. How does that end up working where you're sort of sitting within sort of one perspective, but working with a broader whole? It comes out a couple of ways. Fundamentally, with the broader portions of Microsoft, either we're lined up with an Azure strategy that that Microsoft is part of, or we're doing almost consulting work to those Microsoft teams. So, for example, there is um, there are Xbox teams that are working within um, some of the projects inside the Linux Foundation are, are, are looking at and trying to engage with um, the O3DE, Open 3D Engine, inside the Linux Foundation. Mm-hmm. And working there, they came to my team and said, hey, you're the Linux Foundation board member. Let's talk about how this works. How should we approach it? Where are we going to have hiccups? Where might there be challenges? How can we? How can you help us um, potentially engage with um, our leadership to fund something like this, you know, and so we have those conversations in the broader Microsoft space. Um, We help uh, sort of um, smooth and make a cohesive Microsoft perspective across different organizations that might have different needs out of the same um, open source project. So, for example, there's a project that's in um, the Open Source Security Foundation, which is trying to make signing a lot easier for open source developers. And GitHub is very excited about that and is building it into some of their workflows. This is SigStore. And that's great. And it's bringing uh, GitHub is bringing value to SigStore by giving a more deterministic workflow and a clear and, you know, like a, a heavier um, hand in identity than just a single OIDC endpoint. And our enterprise customers want something very different. So Azure is working on a very different solution in that space. And we know that other portions of our, say, our engineering systems are going to need to consume signatures that look like a number of these different signing tools used. So we're building and working in a standards organization in the IETF on a project called SKIT, which is um, Supply Chain Integrity, Trust and Transparency, or Transparency and Trust. The T's, whatever, the T's are in some order. Um, but SKIT <laughs> is is looking at what are the standards around testing and verifying and being able to um, read a ledger that could be ha- could have signatures and attestations about a sig store si- a signature or it could have um, uh, attestations about notary signatures um, so we're being able to do do this uh, synthesis among and around all of these projects through a standards based model but that's working with GitHub doing one thing and Azure doing another and DevDiv with the engineering systems group going, how are we going to handle all of this? So we're looking at this from, oh, and the security team wanting to build the standards work, um, excuse me, the new security org wanting to build the standards work inside 
IETF. So we sort of give that whole perspective for the four different organizations who might three or five or 10 years ago had more of a competitive standpoint. And, and Sarah, since uh, you know, you've taken on this role, uh, how has the public perception of Microsoft in regards to OSS being an OSS uh, contributor, a first class citizen, whatever you want to call it, changed? Because I know in the past, as I haven't said, yeah. <laughs> we weren't well, anything but OSS, right? Let's let's face right. it. Uh, and 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 uh, we've done a lot of work, uh, you know, through your mm -hmm. team to change mm -hmm. that perception. Uh, what is the current uh, state that we're in in that journey? I think it's evolving. There is actually a generation of people that when we bring up this, you know, hey, mea culpa, we may have had some previous history with open source that don't even remember that. So so we have to be careful when we start with that. And But we also have to be um, transparent and authentic and acknowledge that we were not always the best open source citizens. In that sense, though, we've had a quote from Satya where he says, judge us by the work we're doing. And so a lot of our efforts have been recently to be quietly, competently in the room, participating and engaging and bringing our years of experience out to groups that can give us an entirely different perspective. We have a tendency to focus on the ecosystem we have always sold to. And with cloud growing the way it is, cloud is 90% Linux first which means we have to speak to an audience that is completely different than those we have generally spoken to. So I, I give a, a statistic um, that, you know, 40 years ago when we started Microsoft or when we didn't, when Microsoft was started, <laughs> I wasn't here. Um, when Microsoft was started, it was at the very beginning of a nascent industry. I mean, desktop PCs yeah. were kind of new. Yeah. yeah, so we could hire you know, 90% of the top 1% of developers. Like we could actually have hired and probably did hire the majority of the best developers in the world. And if you look at the total number of developers we have inside Microsoft today and the total number of developers in the world, we don't even have the same number of developers as the top one or 2% of developers in the world. So we haven't captured all of them. We can't capture all of them, which actually means outside of our four walls or our metaphorical walls is probably a better way to say it. <laughs> outside of our metaphorical walls, we don't we, we have a huge knowledge base and knowledge asset that we need to tap. And a lot of that exists in open source. And those people have a completely different perspective, have grown up on a completely different um, branch of servers, for lack of a better term, with the Linux first or the Unix first model over the last 20 years. And they can bring us a huge amount of knowledge that can help us be that much better if we can be humble and if we can engage with the community in a way that is leading to the learning culture that we speak about. Um, I had a friend tell me a really awesome um, quote the other day. Uh, she said, she said, we're all getting older every day as the world does. <laughs> and she said, you know, I used to pay for my education with with money, but today I pay for my education with my ego. So as I go into a room and I learn something new, sometimes it's like, oh, wow, yeah, I thought I knew how that worked. Mm -hmm. But ooh, I should step back and listen and learn because that that twinge of that ego going, no, but 
oh yeah, maybe I should listen. So I think Microsoft is in that spot where we're trying to be a much more learning culture, the learn it all culture, not the know it all culture. And that sometimes costs us little bites of our ego. And I think we're still practicing that. Yeah, it, it, it does amaze me, you know, because I get in my in my role, I talk to a lot of different customers all the time. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, that the the Delta, you know, in, in the old days, you know, it would be, you know, you might have, you know, I don't know, .NET talking to SQL Server on top of Windows. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't within that sort of oh. narrow bound, we were we were out of the conversation. Um, and that led to some difficult conversations with customers because we we really you know they needed help but we didn't really even have any insight or knowledge about the other pieces. And then now you know I was working with a customer you know three or six months back they were contributing to an AKS open source component that was being pulled in upstream into what we're actually shipping. So they're sort of contributing over here and we're yep. contributing over here. At the end of the day, it's it's shipping to everybody. And, it, and it's such a different conversation because they are experts in their little piece, yep. right? They know more than we do in that area. And and yep. by, to, to your point, by being willing to learn from that, the end result mm-hmm. is a product that's better for everybody, yeah. right? We can leverage the power of that community, but it 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 is, it definitely changes that conversation. I think you're, I, I love that quote you shared around yeah. being open to learning that stuff. Mm-hmm. We get better to, together at that point. I yeah. think it's a great quote. We also make use a lot of open source as a partnership model. So co-development with a customer, we can do that in open source in a lot of spaces or co-development with a number of our ISVs in order to build something that can be part of maybe an open source foundation and then be given a life of its own separate from Microsoft specifically, Mm -hmm. although maybe we develop a service around it, or maybe it's a component that goes into something that we're offering as a product line. But it's something that we build together because we have a common need and it'll be better because we're all working together instead of, you know, wasting the resources to do it three times or five times and then compete. Sarah, I I work uh, in an area of Microsoft called CSC, Commercial Software Engineering, and we do a lot of code development, like you just said, with customers, right? That's essentially what we do. Uh, And one of the biggest problems uh, I have faced is uh, determining, uh, you know, what is, uh, I should say, safe to put into the open source and what isn't. And when I say safe, I mean, you know, what might be construed as secret source versus not secret source. And I'm sure this is something that uh, uh, you have to deal uh, with on a daily basis because uh, as the Azure teams are building things, they want to make sure that they're not giving away uh, the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, right? So how does, like, what's the process uh, that you go through to make that determination? And we don't have to get into, I understand there's a lot of legalese that probably comes into play here, uh, but from a business perspective, you know, what, what are some of the things that you look for to determine, hey, you know, this is something that is worthwhile sharing or this is something, you know, we really shouldn't share. Yep. I actually look at this for what is not necessarily should we or shouldn't we share this. I look at it as what is the business value or what would we like to get from making it open source if we were to make it open source versus what do we think we could get Uh, What is the business value if we were to keep it secret? So I compare those more than I say this should or shouldn't be open source based on any rubric. So when I look at a project that, um, you know, I know that um, other competitors might be having the same problems, but it's not something that's going to be 
um, particularly differentiating. So this ends up being a lot of the different infrastructure stuff or some of the underlying pieces. Um, an example might be uh, our fluid project, which is sort of the how do we make um, <clears throat> how do we allow for web pages to have synchronous interactions if so That's that you can edit stuff, something right it's the loop yeah, stuff okay. yep I love so loop it's stuff. This, I love it. yeah so yeah. that you can you can edit a thing the same time i can edit a thing and we know that this is not particularly going to differentiate us because this is something that has been in the market for a while but it is something we need to do well enough so how and who might also benefit from working on this with us? And then what is the strategic value of us working on this in the public? So maybe it's a strategic value of um, recruiting talent from one of our competitors or retaining talent because they want to be working in open source. Or maybe it's a strategic value of working on something where we have a unique perspective that can move the whole industry forward. And that unique perspective can also um, can also then be shared in a way that garners us um, engineering credibility as opposed to necessarily direct market share. So, you know, if, with something like Linux, um, Building out our engineering credibility is one of the things that we need to do. We're known for our Windows skills. Like we are probably in the top, oh, good Lord, I hope we're in the top two places to work if you are a Windows developer. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, but we're not necessarily in the top two uh, places to work if you happen to be a Linux systems developer. On the other hand, if we're doing more projects in the open around things with Linux, then we're building up that muscle of sharing, <clears throat> A, and then we're also building up that credibility in order to draw people in. Because maybe, you know, out there we have someone whose, you know, favorite uh thing to work on is, I don't know, hypervisors. And so they want to take a look at our cloud hypervisor project, which is written in Rust and is now shared through a, a Linux Foundation project. You know, like it maybe that is the thing that makes someone decide that they will consider, you know, being employed by Microsoft or joining us or or draws us in. So there are many different reasons that we might, strategic reasons, we might want to open source something. And so I look at the what could we be moving or benefiting from open sourcing something versus what benefits are there if we keep it closed source. So that's that's sort of the comparison that I do. And I ask uh, teams to really work through what is it that they want when people are like, I'm going to open source it. Let's just open source everything. <laughs> I'm like, super cool. Love the enthusiasm. But why? Which is kind of funny. It, it is, uh, it, I like the answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the why. Um, <laughs> it, it is actually, no, you know, I love I love it. Super enthusiastic. Is is uh, this this may be a little bit out of your your purview, but um, I have to think that to some extent the role that you're playing for Microsoft and and you know within Azure there there have to be sort of equivalent people or organizations at other you know other customers out there or I'm sorry other other ISVs like ourselves you know AWS Google I mean they're similar companies right. Do, do you have, you know, relationships and conversations with those folks saying, hey, you know, we should do this cool thing as a as a group or is it purely sort of a one sided thing? 
Yes, we have those. Now, the interesting thing is we almost always have those through another organization or straight up in the public. So like a standards group. Through a standards group or through an open source uh, foundation or through or by already publishing something and then having open meetings. This is something that we need to be very careful about simply because there are antitrust rules. So, you know, if we were to pick another big competitor and have secret conversations or even just one on one conversations about how we were going to move something in, in open source or move the industry with open source, that should be public. Otherwise, we are we are running afoul of some of the laws there. So those are the conversations that we have. We do have them. We usually have them in public venues. We usually have them in um, in conversations where we're talking about a specific technology, not anything about the product or the marketing mm-hmm. of it or anything. So we mm-hmm. really keep it tight to, you know, hey, we really want to update this protocol and we think it might be really useful. Um, and then we move um, we move these things forward in uh, organizations that pu- that work us work with us to make sure that we're following good antitrust policies and that we are sharing in an even and collaborative way so that the whole industry benefits as opposed to any you know side deals or side parties right right so, so but I, I think you're you're I mean that that is sort of implicit in the open source mm-hmm. concept but it, it sounds yeah. like even even just the the physical act to say hey we want to advance this protocol right yeah. that we want to do that in the open and it, but it yeah. sounds like these conversations are happening. They're just happening in a very open and, and transparent yes. way. It's not a one-sided, yeah. it's always us, right? Yeah. It's, no. it, it's a partnership. Okay. That's it's great. a partnership. Yeah. It is definitely one of those things that we work. Um, we work to make sure that there's, you know, there's a vision for what we want to be doing. We have some, some sort of basic tech to start with, and then we start being working in the public, um, Occasionally, these things start um, as co-development deals with, you know, say another ISV and Microsoft, and then um, those that partnership decides to become open. Um, when we start those, generally recently, we've been encouraging people to start them without the private contracted version first, because there's there's a mindset that's hard to change if you're having a private set of conversations and private development that is really tough to move out into the open. So pretty much as often as we can, we encourage people to start in the open if they think that's where they want to go. We do want people to understand why and think about what the what the strategic goal is of it, but we wanna make sure that we don't have to go through that, that shift. Um, I worked for one of our competitors for a while, and I swear that half of my electrons in a given day were spent <laughs> saying, hi, um, is there a reason this is being discussed on a private mailing list instead of the public one for open yeah. for the open source yeah. project? And so it's just it's a tough mindset to shift. So the more you can start open and the more you can start sort of the performative engagement and, and advocacy and, and excitement and trying to drive drive and draw people to you. Um, the the more successful I tend to think the projects end up. Um, speaking of that, you know, success. I mean, it, you know, we had you on uh, so two or three months back, I think now, to talk mm-hmm. about Sonic, and and you know, you were super excited because Sonic is, you know, it's 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 really the way to sort of drive um, cloud scale networking, right? Forward. Yep. Are, are there are there other projects that you go, man? I'm I'm really proud of the work we did to push Blah, 
out into the open source. Are there are there some that sort of stick in your mind? I mean, obviously, we don't want you to pick through all your favorite children and tell us which ones you don't like. But is there all one my or two children that you, are lovely? That are, <laughs> but is is there a couple that you're like, wow, you know, that was really hard to get out there, but in the end, it was really worth it. Like, what are some success stories in your mind for that effort? Um, some of the ones that I think are are most interesting and most um, I don't know heartfelt are the ones where it was more of a struggle to show the value. And then people came around to the understanding of why doing something in the open was just so much better. So there's a um, open source consumption framework that we've just donated to the Open Source Security Foundation. Um, it's called S2C2. Uh, and it's the um, secure supply chain S. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get the S's. The S's in the C's properly. Um, Secure supply chain uh, consumption framework is, I think, um, what it is called now. And that looks at the the way to frame how you're using software and what or open source software and how to make sure that you are doing this in a secure manner so that you are able to, as a company, mitigate the risk of consuming open source. The same risk is taking a dependency on any library, mm-hmm. whether you pay for it or download it. But you are able to manage that risk and then be able to engage with the software and update it yourself if you need to or bring in a patch when you need to and then keep this downstream, your product, the the product that is dependent on it safe and secure for your customers so this framework we didn't we donated to the open source security foundation and one of the reasons that one was really touching to me was because it began as hey this is a thing microsoft has an opinion we need to put this out there we need to be this leader and while that may be true all of it. We do need to put this out there. We do need to be a leader in this space. We do want our customers to believe that we have an opinion. We need to do it in a way that allows us to learn and engage with other opinions in this same space, not as the 800-pound gorilla who may have extra gray hair on their back because we've been at this for 40 years, but as a humble portion of the industry that says, hey, we aren't going to have the only perspective on this. Help us make it better. And that took a little bit to get from the, we just need to publish this and make our statement, get some press about it, to, hey, actually, if we go out with this and we take it out to a foundation and we get some feedback on it, and then we move it through a standardization process, that may actually be better because we're contributing to the community. We're building up not only that credibility for Microsoft, but we're also building up that collaboration muscle on something where we know we have an opinion and we know we can benefit from other people's thoughts on it. And we can get all of the things that we wanted out of that uh, initial publication by doing this in the open and possibly more because we're doing it collaboratively. That that sounds very sort of the opposite to you were talking before about, you know, love mm-hmm. your enthusiasm. Yeah. Why this this sort of sounds the other way of. Yeah, we were sort of minute, pulling you need this to ask one why. Out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's sort of tease it out. And maybe there's an opportunity here that we were yeah. missing it. It is, it, it, you know, is it sort of half split between those two scenarios or do you find yourself, you know, tend to be on one or the other? Like, well, I, I sort of feel like open source has its moment now. Right. And to some degree. Does. So yeah. it's cool. Everybody wants to do it. But I don't know. What's what's your take on that? 
So the answer is there are two chunks of work that we take on. One is the super enthusiastic, oh my gosh, we really want to. And people come to us and say, can we get your help? And yeah. then we work on those because they're easy, they're reaction, they're they're trying to, or they're reactive, they're trying, you know, people inside Microsoft want to do this. So we help facilitate it and we help them do it in a safe and sane and collaborative way that is a benefit to the community, a benefit to the industry, and also a benefit to Microsoft. And then there are the strategic investments and the Open Source Security Foundation is one of those big strategic investments because we know that Microsoft and all of our customers and the whole industry at large are building on top of a whole set of building blocks that are an open source commons. So we're all using them, we're all sharing them, we're all excited about them, but we're not investing in them enough. No one is. So this is, I don't know if you've seen the XKCD um, titled Dependencies. I think it's XKCD 2347. Um, and it's this lovely building block building, you know, build lots of building blocks. And then there's this tiny, super skinny building block just over here holding up with one whole side of something. <laughs> and there's um, there's a, a pointer to it. And it says, you know, like one guy in Nebraska is yeah. is um, is actually managing this and, and building this. And those are the dependencies that are really scary in open source. And so if we as a community are not actually engaging with those commons and helping secure those commons, all of that beautiful innovation and frill on the top of that building sort of that is going to come collapsing link. down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, the Open Source Security Foundation whose goal is to help secure the upstream of open source is one of our deep, deep strategic goals. Another deep strategic goal is getting great at Linux because Microsoft needs to get much better at Linux than we are. We're, we're good at Linux. We've, we're, we've got, but again, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. So you can ask particular, you know, engineering groups who work on Linux all the time. They're fantastic. You can walk down the hall, metaphorically speaking, again, because I work from home. Um, you can walk down the hall and, you know, ping another group. And they're like, do we actually have services on Linux? And it's like, oh, yeah. yes, we do. Yeah. 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 So we need to balance those. And so we've got these big strategic investments. And sometimes those strategic investments are the ones we have to pull um, pull projects out more like encouragement as opposed to the excited half, which is just like, I want to be cool in the open source. <laughs> You know, uh, Sarah, one of the my favorite open source projects of recent time uh, mm -hmm. was the CBL Mariner uh, project, yeah. right? That Microsoft yep. uh, released. I mean, it's unbelievable. That's the the Linux distro that powers all of Azure, literally. And we just put it out of the open source. Yeah, yep. everybody, take a look at this and please yep. contribute. <laughs> yep. This. So, so Mariner is an awesome example of getting great at Linux. And the interesting thing that I love to throw out as a statistic is that's not our only Linux distribution. Sonic is another one. I mentioned this on the Sonic yeah. podcast. We have mm -hmm. um, two more that uh, one that is a, a, a container optimized operating system. This is Flatcar Linux, which is sort of the successor to CoreOS. Um, and then we have a special uh, IoT sort of Linux for that, Sphere, is, right? that is for, for Sphere, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then there are, I think, two more, one for a particular SOC that we um, are using. And then um, there's there's another one that I can never quite remember, but we have at least six different internal and external and public open source distributions that we develop for 
um, for, uh, sorry, open source Linux distributions that we develop for um, our use cases and to publish publicly. But Mariner is a great example. We're, we're building out something, we're exercising our capabilities in this, we're learning as we go, and we're, we've now um, allowed it as a container OS on AKS. It's one of the drop down options when you Oh, I didn't know that. That's new. Yeah. That's nice. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was recently. Yeah, that's amazing that you can have that lightweight uh, Linux, uh, you know, for yeah. your container. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's this is a really great. Uh, what a great insight into the way uh, Azure and Microsoft does uh, OSS. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Sarah. Yeah, thanks, I'm Sarah. happy to be here. Yeah. Anything last you want to leave the audience with? I want to go back to the the Satya quote. You know. Judge us on how we're doing now and hold us accountable to that. So please, if we're not doing this well, if we're not hearing something and we need to be hearing feedback, find you can find me on the internet. It's not hard. Um, but <laughs> do something to give us feedback. You know, let us know because we really are working to be better at open source, to engage better at open source, and to be a good industry partner across all of the work that we do. That's great. Now, such a different message than 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's it's the right message, right? So Indeed. it's it's a, it's Indeed, a great yeah. one. So awesome. 10 to great. 15 years ago, I wouldn't have worked at Microsoft. I avoided yeah. it for the first time I lived in Seattle. But now I've come back. Yeah, I think that's that actually, you know, it's, it's a little bit off subject, but I think that that story that you talk about, I, I know some of the folks on the CBL Mariner team, mm -hmm. right? These were all, a lot of these folks are like, yeah, I never would have done it. But you know, the right yep. opportunity came along and open source and, and, yep. and the culture has changed that they're willing to do it. Now, I do know some are like, well, I'm going to try it and see how yep. it's going, right? Yeah, they well, want to see us live the, you know, walk the walk, or I'm sorry, walk the yep. talk. But but I think it's great to see people like yourself coming in and, and driving us forward, continually driving I'm, us forward. I'm in almost four years. And when I showed up, I was like, I'll give it a year. We'll see what it looks like. <laughs> but there's still so much opportunity to change and so much excitement and passion to make that change. Yeah. If it was just opportunity, that's different. But there is, you know, there is clear business direction that that this needs to shift because the industry has shifted. And so we need to do this. And that that just fits so well and resonates so well with my lifelong passion of working in open source. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you again, Sarah, for coming yeah. back on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to. Thank, thank you. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.